0: A show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most.
1: Hello and welcome to the Money and Meaning Show. My name is Jeff Bernier. I am your guide in these monthly discussions around money and meaning. And as you know, um, we try to take in this show and combine both. We have deep discussions around what gives you meaning and purpose and how do you uncover your values and how do you create the, the resources to go live your best life. But we combine that with wealth management topics in hopes that you can get some ideas on how to create the margin, the financial margin, to go be all that you were created to be. So um, I, I love having these conversations about money and meaning. And as you may have heard me talk about, uh, many years ago, I did a workshop called the Money and Meaning Experience, and in that workshop, we do values clarification exercises and all those kinds of things. And I've I've been working on that on my own again um, recently. Um, and one of the, one of the values that I uncovered or reconfirmed was freedom. I, I love having freedom, and of course, in in the pandemic, we all had to create ways to work remotely and to serve people from all different contexts and so today you may notice i have a little bit different uh, background i'm working out of my home office we had a few technology challenges in my office today and uh, so here i am working at my home office um, which is obviously one of my contexts because i want to be able to serve our clients from wherever they are and where i am um, so this is a pretty good opportunity to do the show for my home office today having said that uh in my home i daughter lives with me, my son lives with me, two grandchildren live with me, and three pets. So if you hear dogs barking or kids crying in the background, just I'm asking for a little grace today. So anyway, so thank you for joining me today. And I am really, really excited about today's show. You know, we, we, we go back and forth between some of these meaning and money topics. Well, today, uh, I think you might hear a little bit of both, but I'm just so happy to have a special guest today, Carolyn McClanahan. Uh, I have met Carolyn on many, many occasions. She speaks at industry conferences. Uh, She is really an educator to the wealth management industry. I mean, she helps firms like ours uh, learn how to um, deal with the intersection of both money and health. So she has some particular expertise. Uh, Carolyn has a wealth management practice down in Jacksonville, Florida that also does what I would call deep discovery around meaning and purpose and life planning. And she could talk about that if she'd like, but uh, she is a, a medical doctor. I was going to say a former medical doctor, Carolyn, but I guess yes. you're always a doctor yeah. and you're still practicing at some mm-hmm. level, just maybe not for profit. And I'll, I'll let you tell a little bit more about your st- story, but she uh, well-respected in the industry. She on CNBC and major publications uh, you know, Hardball, NPR, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. Uh, she's an Investorpedia top 100 advisor. Uh, so anyway, she's very knowledgeable in the intersection of money and health. So welcome, Carolyn McClanahan. Thanks for joining me on the show.
2: Oh, thanks for having me. Always fun to do things like this.
1: Well, well, thanks. I know you do I know you do a lot of uh presentations and teaching. So thanks for um giving us a little time today. So I love to start in all of these shows, just letting the audience get to know you a little bit. So tell us mm-hmm. if you wouldn't mind, just a little bit about yourself and your family.
2: Well, sure. Um I started my career as a physician. I um went to school to actually be an actuary and then realized how boring that was was <laughs> and um decided to be a physical therapist, but then After I worked for a physical therapist one summer in college, I realized all they do is what doctors do. I thought, gosh, if I've got to work that hard to get into physical therapy school, I want to be the boss. So (laughs) I ended up becoming a doctor and I ended up practicing both family medicine and emergency medicine, mostly emergency medicine. And uh, my husband was an engineer and he inherited some money in the mid nineties and we invested it and we did well. I was very, because I had a math brain. I always had all, even during residency done my own IRAs and things like that. And, right. um, we did well and he hated being an engineer. So we tried to find a financial planner to help us decide whether that little pot of money that we had turned into a bigger pot of money was enough for him to change careers. He wanted to be a track coach and a photographer. Mm. And you know neither of those um, bring in the much income, if any income. And I said, I'm not going to take care of you. So we got to make sure <laughs> that your little um, pocket of money is enough for us to make that change. And we tried to find a financial planner. This was back in 2000. And the problem was is they all said they did financial planning, but in reality, it was all about investment management or selling products. And, um, and so it wasn't what we were looking for. We were in our mid thirties at the time and um, you know, too early to retire, but wanted to make sure that, that he could do what he wanted to do. So I went back to school for fun to learn about financial planning just for us. Yeah. Yep. And then I fell in love with it. And I saw this huge need for people getting real advice, not just investment management. And so um, I created my firm life planning partners. And the focus is life planning, you know, because it all goes together. And that's why I love what you're doing there on the meaning of money, because, you know, money is the tool. It's not the object and making certain that you have all your ducks in a row um, together so that you can live a great life to me is the importance of financial planning. And so at, as a doctor, I, I just fell in love and I loved being a doctor. I loved patient care, didn't quite so much love the business of medicine. Um, and, and when I started financial planning, I ended up Seeing all these intersections about how health affects finances and health and uh, and affects financial planning, and I put together little fun talks for my study groups and other NAPFA members, right. and um, and then I, I I they made me realize it's like Carolyn, this is valuable information. Nobody else understands this, and it, was, it wasn't that I was particularly smart, just that. I just saw this huge, you know, all the things that other people don't see because I came from two different worlds. And so I've been speaking on all the intersections of health and finance um, since the beginning of my career in financial planning. And, you know, I'm very fortunate and honored that, you know, people have me all over and uh, I actually, you know, get to help a lot of people in multiple ways in addition to my practice.
1: Oh, that is so great. I You know, and I mean, your story and your husband's story is all about making personal finance choices um, so that you can live the life that you want to live. I mean, right. you're 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 the poster child for being thoughtful about your life plan mm-hmm. and then building a financial plan to support the life plan. You know, yep. so that's so you're you're you're, you're great uh, for the themes that I like to talk about on yeah. the show. And my
2: husband did become a photographer and track coach. So oh, he did. Um, yeah. So it all worked out.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's great. It's all about following your heart, isn't it? Yeah. And and, and creating the margin to do that. So, um, you know, I've read some of your writing recently, and you have a comment that you make or a thought that you make about the big four of aging. So I know you Mm -hmm. have some particular expertise on helping people with aging decisions. And so when you talk about the big four decisions in aging, can we talk a little bit about what those are and any, any thoughts you have on those?
2: Yeah, as we age, people people don't realize as they age that they're slowing down or they don't want to admit that they're slowing down and they're not able to do as much as they used to do. And everybody loves their life. I'm facing this now. We live in this wonderful home with a big yard, a lot of upkeep. <laughs> and, you know, at some point, it's going to be tough to take care of it. And too often, people stick their head in the sand about what I call the big four of when are they going to move in a more aging appropriate place? When are they going to get help with financial decision making? Because even, you know, a, a large number of people end up if you live a long time, you have a much higher risk of dementia. But even if you don't get dementia, as you get older, your ability to make difficult financial decisions is is very, it's challenged. And so it's always good to have somebody looking in behind you or somebody who can step up the day you're recognizing or they're recognizing you can't do it well anymore. And then when to get help with healthcare decisions. So same thing, as you get older and you get more health problems, you have to, it's a lot to take in, especially if you get a serious diagnosis. So, having a healthcare surrogate as a backup to help you make healthcare decisions. And finally, the hardest one for a lot of people, depending on where you live, is when to quit driving and give up the mm. keys. And so, having a, a transportation plan. And so, not all the, these are all emotional and they can be very expensive financial decisions if you don't make them right. So, for example, you know, if you end up living in your home too long and it falls into disrepair and then all of a sudden you fall and break your hip and now your family has to get, you know, take care of your home in a fire sale and often you're having to pay a lot of money to be moved into a more appropriate setting such as assisted living or skilled care or driving. I actually have a, this is kind of what started me on this path of of helping people plan more thoughtfully for aging. I had a client who was in her 80s and mm-hmm. we knew she shouldn't be driving. We actually arranged for her to have a driving evaluation at a local rehab. Um, and and at a driving evaluation, they, they don't pull your license. They do tell you whether you should be driving or not, or they make suggestions on ways to drive safer. And so they told wow. this woman to not drive at night, not drive in busy traffic. Lo and behold, she didn't pay attention to them. Drove at night, drove in busy traffic, had one accident for which he was sued for, oh, and then still kept driving, and yeah, I mean these these were like back to back, and had another accident for which she was sued for, and it's my only client that have has ever actually accessed their umbrella policy, so wow. yeah. yeah, and so that really got me on a mission of making people when you're young, if you. Think through what your plans are going to be and you you may become familiar with, okay, when people say I'm not driving safe and safely anymore, here's my backup plan. So having thought through all the different things and what you need to do it will help you make the best decisions when the time actually comes to do that.
1: Yeah, well, those are those are all critical. Um, mm-hmm. and, some, and, and some of them you're right are uncomfortable. Uh, to bring up for you know, because I'm guessing the next generation oftentimes are 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 bringing some of these up uh, to their parents to say, Look, maybe mm-hmm. we should have this conversation if they haven't already mapped out a plan when they were younger, I suppose nice. Is that yeah well, you know, so- and
2: actually, it's the younger generation doesn't want to bring them up, and they often stick their head in the sand too, especially with more and more families being um. Uh, having distance between them and children often living elsewhere, it sometimes doesn't come up until it's too late.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's inconvenient and uncomfortable. So we don't do it, but you must, I mean, you've got to really address these things. Um, I want to, I want to come back to housing in a moment because that was the first one that you talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, But in, but in terms of, um, you know, uh, healthcare as you age, what are some of the decisions that you mentioned having a surrogate or having a plan to help you make healthcare decisions? But as you age, what are the critical things that people should be thinking about in terms of their health care uh, as they age? What are some of your most important things to, to evaluate?
2: Well, first off, and this kind of overlaps between where you live and then your health care decisions, if you live in a rural community, I just actually had this situation with a client, it can be very difficult to get care in a rural community. So if you live in a rural community, you may want to consider locating um, somewhere that has better access to health care. You also want to make sure that you have a good primary care doctor because the backbone as of good care as you get older is to have somebody that's going to help coordinate that care. And so a geriatrician or a primary care doctor that deals with a lot of older patients can help you navigate care. It's because when you're old, if you have 10 different specialists and all these different problems, it's hard to deal with all that. So having that along with whoever's your family member or somebody who cares about you to be your healthcare surrogate to help help you navigate the decisions and the actual logistics of your care.
1: Yeah, are, are those individuals hard to find in rural areas? Someone who, or or is that generally your general practitioner?
2: Well, even yes. Yeah, so in rural areas, it's it's just difficult to cross the board to find yeah. a good primary care doctor because there's already right. such a shortage and nobody wants to live in the country anymore. Right. Um, and so the ones that are out there are overwhelmed because so many people need primary care doctors. Right. But, but more often, though, and what we ran into recently with a client is he had a great long term care insurance policy. It was like he could afford the Taj Mahal. He, but he could afford, <laughs> you know, 24-hour care at home. But we weren't able to get anybody.
1: And he did. And he, oh, is that right? So he quali- no. He actually qualified.
2: He yeah, qualified no, he care, qualified. He couldn't he, find
1: the service providers.
2: We couldn't find it. You know, they they had service providers, but rare, I mean, it was hard to get anybody reliable out there. It was because there's so few people. and um, And so he ended up having to... Move into a facility when he didn't want to because we couldn't get care any other way.
1: Yeah, Mm, that's unfortunate. So yeah, yeah, we could do. I I know we could do probably two shows on healthcare. And again, I know you have a lot of strong feelings about potential ways that our healthcare system is broken and how to navigate it. Yeah, Uh, we don't have time to go there today, but I I I know I've seen you speak on that, and I know you're passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're, and I know that you are not only passionate you're an advocate for a better way and better things. I, and I appreciate that because I mm-hmm. think it's, it's a great gift. Uh, so talk, let's talk a little about uh, where you live. Mm-hmm. And so the question I seem to get most frequently or, or quite frequently, because I guess maybe they don't want to address driving or some of the others is where am I going to move to? Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, um, I didn't even think about some of the issues you talked about in terms of just the actual home not being livable because it's too big or too much to keep up or might even have risk if it deteriorates. But oftentimes it's like, what are the next steps or what are the options? Do you coach people on looking at housing options? And what what do most people think about in terms of housing as they age?
2: Well, almost everybody wants to age at home. and, And in reality... That is the best way and most cost effective way to go, depending on what type of illness you have. Or, you know, if you're just normal aging and the issue of frailty, um, it's usually pretty easy to age at home if you have the home set up appropriately, you know, with and so make certain if you're thinking of moving or downsizing or whatever it is you're going to do where you live, make sure that you look at your new living situation with an eye to it being aging friendly. So you know, like not not huge tall countertops and cabinets that you can't get to or multiple stairs or any stairs or make sure the doors are wide enough to be able to fit a walker or wheelchair and that you can get into the showers and tubs. And so if, and and we actually encourage clients to start thinking about this in their late 50s, early 60s, because that's when most people are considering, what am I going to do? Like when I retire, when I quit working, yeah, kind of empty so, nester
1: phase. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
2: yeah. And so once, once they start hitting that situation is if you are going to move, make sure any move is into something that has the potential to be aging friendly, if it's not already aging friendly. And there's a whole You Mayo Clinic has a Great list of how to make a house aging friendly. Now, the other consideration though is if you are a healthy person and you're going to live a long time, you do have a high risk for dementia. And a lot of people say to their families, I want to stay in my home no matter what, and, you know, and the problem that you get into is if you have dementia, it can become very unsafe, not only for you as the patient, but also for the caregivers. And cause you could burn down the house, you could escape. I mean, we see the silver, silver alerts. That's what they call them in Florida. I don't know if that's what they call them everywhere at Florida, a lot of older people, of course. And that's when an older person who has dementia has disappeared. And so you're, they're looking for, you know, old people all the time. Off. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, making certain that your family understands and that you understand when it's no longer safe to live at home, then you're willing to move to somewhere where you can get the appropriate care. I mean, you know, somebody with real, uh, with bad dementia who still is actually, you know, physically able to do things, you basically need two caregivers all the time. And that can easily run into a couple hundred thousand dollars a year when, it's, you know, if you don't know who you are, what's it matter where you live?
1: Yeah. Could, yeah. 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 Well, those are those are important lessons. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, d- difficult, again, to talk to the next generation about or, or even for the for the for the parents who may be suffering. Uh, but they're obviously critical because you love them and you care about them and you want them to be comfortable
2: well, uh, and- so I want to bring up an important point here on those conversations. Yeah, if People wait till it's too late. And the best time to have these conversations is when your parents are in their like early 60s. And in, or, you know, if you have clients that are in the early 60s, face that conversation while everybody's well, because it's so much easier until waiting until somebody actually is having significant issues and they're already on the defense and they already know Gosh, I'm going to have to give up the life I've known, and they don't want to face it, so it becomes a much harder conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, let me ask you a question: Do you mm-hmm. and your firm facilitate those kind of conversations or meetings, or you just encourage them and then check in with them?
2: No, we absolutely do. We have family meetings, and and so it's one of our agenda items when people it- hit that age, or if there's something that has happened. I mean, because some people, you know, they have significant health issues or. Other factors, you could you could start those conversations when people are in their 50s is actually the better age to do it. But definitely when people are in their 60s and and just laying out, we meet it's a great way to do intergenerational planning. Right. You know, that if if you invite the kids in on this conversation, they're so appreciative because you've opened up the can of worms that they didn't want to address.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I I just just yesterday I was meeting with a client and we were talking about their uh, retirement assets, and mm-hmm. and obviously the rules have changed in terms of IRAs for the next generation. And we talked about the importance of tax planning for mm-hmm. the next generation. And so, so they ask about the family meeting. Should we have a family meeting? Mm-hmm. And clearly, this should be an agenda on the family meeting. Mm-hmm. Is how do we how do we deal with these? With, with these things, that's that's very helpful. Um, and you document the discussion and you summarize in a memo of some type to everyone. Here's what we talked about. And obviously, you keep that on file, uh, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. So yep. that you can be a, a, re- a resource to them. Well, that's that's really that's really helpful uh, in the remaining time. Do you mind if we talk a little bit about you mentioned uh, long term care insurance mm-hmm. and an individual that had long term care insurance? And so he was well funded because these are you just mentioned 200,000 a year or a number for some of these types of uh, places that they might live. Uh, How do people finance it? And what is your view of insurance uh, to help with that?
2: Well, so first off, the that two hundred thousand dollar number is for twenty four hour home care, oh, and right. yeah, yeah, that's for twenty four hour home care. When you, and it depends on where you live. There's a great the the Genworth Cost of Care site yeah, um, that. that where people can actually put in the numbers of where they live and learn how much long term care is going to cost them. And so it's important to know think through where it is you're going to age, how much that's going to cost. For example, if you want to live in Boca Raton, Florida, you're going to pay a lot of money for a facility there. If you have a a child that lives, say, in Indiana, um, it might be cheaper to move to Indiana to get the care. And even if you're going into a facility to get the care that you need. So thinking through where am I going to be when I'm old? And if I need to move into a facility, Um, And then putting a price to it and then figuring out how am I going to finance that? You know, some people say I'm going to self-finance. You just have to make sure, especially if you have both parts of a couple living, that you're not going to leave the other um, family member destitute. destitute, Right. Or if you have legacy needs or for your children or if you have a special needs child that you need to cover, um, making certain you take all that into account. Now, the issue with insurance, um, the gentleman I was just talking about who had that great long-term care insurance policy, that was purchased back in the mid-2000, you know, like 2006 or seven, is when he bought that policy. That was the golden age of long-term care policies. They were um, be- very underpriced and they had rich benefits. And that's why now the premiums for those old right. policies are going up, but nowhere near the value of those policies. So I tell all the people who bought those policies in from like 2000 to 2010, accept that increase, um, you know, because... You, we They're had a policy, yeah. yeah. The policy the other day that lifelong a woman who has high risk of of uh, living a long time and getting dementia, she had unlimited care for a lifetime. And it's like, you know, they wanted to increase her premium by like five percent. I'm yeah. like, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah pay it, pay yeah. it. Just keep keep it going. And you know, the problem is now policies are not very generous the traditional long-term care insurance policies are very expensive and insurance companies you know they're not your friend and and especially because we've had a couple of long-term care claims recently that gentleman being one man they make you jump through some hoops and when you're an old person those are big hoops to ju- jump through right. and so so with traditional long-term care insurance they're they're like tightening the grip of of how they pay and when they pay and what you have to do to document. So I'm not Um, a fan of traditional long-term care insurance anymore. I just, I'm, I just don't like it. Um, But what we are doing with clients is um, especially with clients who have old life insurance policies is we're doing hybrid life insurance, long-term care policies. That way, if you don't use the long-term care benefit, then at least your family gets a life insurance benefit. It's going to be smaller than traditional life insurance, but at least you have a bucket of money that's dedicated to long-term care. The benefit's not as rich, but if you use it for long-term care, it's it pays better than, depending on when you make that claim, it, right. it pays the same as like a bond or better. So, gotcha. yeah, so we use it for that. For people who can self-fund, you know, the only reason we would buy a long-term care policy is it that dedicated money to long-term care means it's more likely to be used for long-term care because sometimes children will get a little um, cheap and using their parents' money, taking care of their parents. Cause it's like, well, that's my inheritance going away. But if you have money that's dedicated to long-term care and a policy, they're more likely to use it appropriately.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, my experience is um, these new hybrid products are actually, I hated them years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. years ago, they were very complicated you know, the, the, the prospectus of the contract were this big, you know, you couldn't under. And so yeah. I, I think they've gotten a lot better. Um, and so I, like you, I, I do run into a lot of clients that have life insurance that is no longer needed for survivor needs. Right. Um, and with the current estate tax laws in place, most of them don't need it for liquidity for an estate. Right. For For taxes at least. And so they've got these old whole life policies that you can convert to a a hybrid of some type at least provide a long-term care benefit. So that's mm-hmm. that's interesting uh and good insight. them. Um, it sounds like I've I've done something right here. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm
2: uh, sure you're doing lots. You, lot at, you, right. at
1: least you yeah. agreed. So, well, this has been great, Carolyn. I, I like I said, I I sent you an agenda of some things we might talk about, mm-hmm. and, and as we were talking about earlier, it was pretty aggressive and pretty, oh, So yeah,
2: I said that agenda is about two days long. It, it was a pretty. <laughs> it was
1: pretty optimistic, um, and I knew we wouldn't get to all of it, but I I really appreciate your time today, and I know the audience great great value because I do I do think. Um, for our clients who are 35 to 60, they're in the middle of these discussions with their parents or concerned about their parents and our clients that are, you know, 55 to 90 are right in the middle of these decisions. Uh, and some of them are obviously already consumers of, um, assisted living or, um, you know, long-term care facilities or moving in with their children. So it's, it's right with a need um Mm -hmm. and obviously the aging of america it won't be any less important down the road so this is very timely i believe thank you carolyn this is awesome thank you for chiming in to me uh, with me today from jacksonville florida i'm guessing are you down Mm -hmm. near your place is there anything um you know that my audience if they wanted to find out more about you or check you out on social channels or any of that kind of stuff how would they find out more about you and your firm
2: Well, my uh, Twitter is my favorite place. So it's at Carolyn MCC is my Twitter handle. Uh, My firm is Life Planning Partners. You know, I I don't do my educational stuff so much on my firm site, but I do have a personal website, carolynmcclanahan.com. I could be better with it. But (laughs) and it keeps up with my latest speaking engagements and um, things like that. So
1: excellent. Well, thank you so much today. It has been a pleasure for me, and I appreciate your your joining us. And uh, hopefully, I'll see you at a conference soon.
2: And uh, great being
1: with you. And thank you again for joining us today on the Money and Meaning Show. I hope you found today's meeting a value or discussion of value. I'm I'm sure I did. Uh, There's there's always uh, a lot to learn in this area. Uh, And and as I talk about a lot, it's about collaboration with professionals that have expertise that you need. And so a firm like ours, you know, you can't be great at everything. So it's good to have resources like Carolyn and our firm that we can, we can bring to bear. So if you'd like to learn more um uh, or, or check us out on the show at, um, you can email me, moneyandmeaning at uh, You can check out the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or Tannagrowth.com. And uh, thanks again for your time and hope you found it useful. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. A show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at tandemgrowth.com. or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors LLC does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.